chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, if you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, stand with me as you turn and Luke chapter 1 and verse 5, Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. <clears throat> Gospel of Luke, the Lord was going to use Luke to set in order or to record some of the events that took place in Lord's birth. I'm thankful for this chapter of Luke. Luke just contains much detail about Christ, about his birth, of course, between there and Matthew and just many of those different stories. But Luke chapter 5, we see really it all begin with the announcements of a, announcement of another man's birth, and that was John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. Luke chapter 1, verse 5, and it says in verse 5, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the course of Abiah, and his wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went to the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before them in the spirit and the power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned unto them, and remained speechless." And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked upon me to take away my reproach among men. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for the scripture that we have this morning. And uh, Lord, you gave this to us on purpose. There was many things you could have written and you included this in your word that we might learn from it and know more about our Lord as a result of it. And I pray that as I preach this, your word, that you would touch our hearts, speak to our hearts and minds from the scripture today and draw us near to you this morning. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Talk about a story. Here's Zacharias, and he's in doing his, his regular duties as a priest. He's there before the incense and bringing incense into the, into the, uh, into the temple. And, and as he's there, an angel of the Lord appears before him. And like all of us, pretty shocked at that appearing, pretty shocked at that appearing. And uh, he immediately is filled with fear. And I, I think that's probably a natural reaction uh, when confronted with those that stood before the throne of God, that I'm sure they were a little bit of a, a frightful, awe-inspiring appearance, I, I'm sure. 
Of course, the angel comforts him and says, fear not, Zacharias. The word angel means messenger. He, he had a message for Zacharias, and that message was that his wife was going to have a child, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. And uh, I think it's unique as you read this story. As, her, as soon as he hears those, the, that sound, Zacharias says unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife while stricken in years. And the angel's response, look at the angel's response in verse 19. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and I am sent to speak unto thee to show thee these glad tidings. Uh, Zacharias hears what the angel has to say, and he goes, well, now, what kind of a sign are you going to give me here? And it's like the angel just kind of caught off guard for a minute and said, I'm Gabriel. <laughs> How much more of a sign do you need, buddy? And I stand in the presence of God, and here I am before you telling that God's going to give you a child. How much more of a sign do you need? And the angel gives him a sign. He says, you're not going to be able to speak until the child's born. And, uh, and uh, the things I hear coming out of your mouth are unsatisfactory, so I'll just let you be quiet for a time, right? And uh, there's the, there it is. You know the statement, I mentioned this earlier, but this, the statement, there are no dumb questions. Evidently, the angel thought Zacharias asked one, didn't he? And what kind of a sign are you going to give me? And he said, well, you just hush now, all right? You just hush now. And he said, I'm an angel that stands in the presence of God, and I'm before you. And he gave him this incredible announcement that the forerunner of Christ was coming. The anticipation that must have been building at that, that announcement, the people of Israel have been waiting for the Messiah. A matter of fact, this, this time, and there had been four years, almost 400 years, almost of quiet. 400 years of time since God had, a matter of fact, as Luke would record this event after later on, it would be 400 years previously that uh, some of the Old Testament books came to their conclusion, and it had been almost a period of, of quiet when it came to the giving of Scripture time of silence and what you see here Christmas is just God speaking out of the silence it was it had been quiet for 400 years or so and the people of Israel had been there and if you will on that that major thoroughfare many several empires had risen and fallen during this time and maybe feeling a little bit like a football thrown back and forth in the course of history Rome was now on the throne, now the, the empire that, that ruled the world, and the, Jew, the people of, of Israel were a cast-down, conquered people. It had been quiet for a time. God had been quiet concerning the giving of His Word, and now we see God stop that pause, or a pause according to the way the people would have felt about it. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, would record a prophecy, and in Daniel chapter 9, you know the story, Daniel's in captivity in Babylon, and... God had told Jeremiah that because of the people turning from the Lord, they would be in captivity for 70 years. As that 70 years concluded, Daniel saw it coming, and there he was in Babylon, and he began to pray and go before the Lord, and the Lord gave him another prophecy, the prophecy of 70 weeks or uh, seven, seven, 70 uh, times of seven years of, of prophecy. And that would all begin when the people of Israel, with the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah would return. He would return to go back to Jerusalem and he would rebuild the walls, be used around that. And that clock would begin to the cutting off of the Messiah, the crucifixion of the Messiah. The wise men that would go in search of the Lord no doubt had some idea of that time frame. They saw the star in the east and they saw the star and they knew the prophecies and they began to follow that star. But it had been quiet. 400 years, now it was just 33 years from the cutting off of the Messiah or the crucifixion of the Lord but just quiet. And here in this passage of Scripture, out of that silence, God begins to speak. 
Zacharias in the temple, going about his business as he always had, and God came to him. And you know what catches? We took some testimonies in our Sunday school class, and one of the testimony was they, they liked how the stories around Christ, the different individual stories that you see. And here's one of those individual stories as God spoke to a man named Zacharias. Notice what it says about him. There's a prayer answered is what we find. Verse 13, the angel says, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is what? Heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. They've been quiet for a long period of time, and as God begins to decide to start speaking again to, in terms of a scripture revelation through, through Luke, he begins to open up with this matter here that he said there was a prayer that God had heard. I wonder how many times Zacharias and Elizabeth prayed before the Lord asking for a child. They were now well stricken in years. It had to be many times over and over again as they went before the Lord seeking a child. And to them it seemed like it was quiet. To them it seemed to be silence. But the Lord heard. The Lord heard. You see in the passage of scriptures, the scripture story opens up concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and what it would mean for all of mankind, that in the view of all of mankind, God didn't lose sight of the individual, did he? He heard a prayer. He heard a prayer. You see a man in Zacharias and a woman in Elizabeth whose prayers they lifted up before the Lord and God heard it. They prayed, they trusted they prayed and they trusted. Look at what this, how the scripture says in verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Talk about a testimony. Talk about a testimony. What was Zacharias doing when the angel appeared to him? It's, it says, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. He was busy doing the service that God had placed into his life. In spite of the things that he thought he was missing, the, maybe even what he thought was silence from the Lord, he prayed, he trusted, he remained faithful. Zacharias and Elizabeth prayed, they trusted, and they remained faithful. And as the Lord begins to speak, he draws our attention right away to this couple that in the middle of a probably a world filled with turmoil and uh, in the middle of not only national ter turmoil for Israel and uh, there in Jerusalem, the, the turmoil even there in Jerusalem, but in personal turmoil, the Lord draws our attention that God had heard their prayer. A prayer answered. They trusted. They trusted their God. They remained faithful to their God. And as a result, they witnessed what he had for them. You look at verse 23, it says, And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his, administra his administration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. They prayed, they trusted, they stayed faithful, and they witnessed God's work. God draws our attention it's been quiet for a time. But God says, I, I want to, as I open up this passage of Scripture, not only draw attention to the Lord, not only draw attention to the forerunner of Christ and John the Baptist, but let me show you what I'm doing in these Christians' life, these people's life, who prayed, who trusted, who stayed faithful. He said, I heard. 
I heard. I'm thankful for a Christmas story that means salvation to all who trust in him. But God also pays attention to the individuals. And there is a God in heaven. If there's anything the Christmas story reminds us of, it is there is a God in heaven who still hears. He hears. He heard their prayer. They trusted. They prayed. They trusted. And they witnessed the miracles of God. There's a prayer answered in this story. There's a promise kept in this story. Verse 17, when speaking of John the Baptist's coming at birth, it says in verse 17, And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Malachi 3 and verse 1 says this, Old Testament. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. Malachi 3, 4, or verses 5, or Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6 says this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. God had given a promise. Someone was coming in the spirit of Elijah or the spirit of Elias. And here the Lord was reminding them that his promise was going to be fulfilled. If you skip ahead to Luke chapter two, Luke chapter three, and in Luke chapter three, verse two, you see the Lord speak or you see another commentary on John. It says in in Luke chapter three and verse two, Ananias and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came into John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. He came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. That's a reference to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 and 4. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. A promise kept. A promise kept. Here the Lord is keeping his promise. He said, there's coming a prophet one day. There's coming to someone, the forerunner of Christ, and, and, he will give the, and he'll prepare the way, and every valley shall be made low, and, and he speaks, or, made, or every mountain hill shall be made low, and he gives these prophecies concerning the Lord. That's in Isaiah 40, verses 2 and 3. If you skip ahead to Isaiah 40, verse 8, just a few verses later in that chapter, it says, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. He said, hey, kingdoms will rise and fall. The picture was people will rise and fall like the grass and the flower that fades. But the word of our God shall stand forever. And I, and I think in I, John the Baptist, we see God keeping his promises. Kingdoms had risen and fall. People had come and gone. But God had made a promise that a forerunner was coming. God had made a promise that the Messiah was coming. And here in this book of Luke, we see God keeping his word. His word kept. It's been quiet, 400 years of quiet. And then God opens up and I see, he said, I answer prayer and I keep my word. I answer prayer and I keep my word. Christian, I, I, he's the same yesterday, today, and for how long? Forever. He answers prayer 
and he keeps his word. I'm thankful for all the Christmas story means to us. I'm so thankful for a Savior who was born in that little town of Bethlehem, who lived his life without sin, was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Who would live his life without sin and would prove who he was as he performed miracle after miracle and then would give up his life on the cross that you and I might be saved. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Whosoever. I think of the promise that the Lord had given Abraham in in Genesis chapter 12, that in thee shall all the seed of the world be blessed. That promise that he gave uh, Abraham in Genesis chapter uh, 12 was fulfilled at the cross when the seed of Abraham from the line of Abraham would give his life, the Son of God on the cross, and whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All the people of the earth will be blessed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He keeps his word. There's a reminder in the Christmas story that God answers prayer and God keeps his word. Hey, there's times, I think everybody goes through times in life when it feels quiet. But I would remind you in the times of silence that God answers prayer and he keeps his word. He answers prayer and he keeps his word. I have a God who hears our prayer, listens to my prayer, and sometimes I may feel, Lord, what's going on up there? But God has said, I've heard your prayer, and I keep my word. I think of Zacharias and Elizabeth as they must have thought our time has passed. Children isn't what God had for us. God's answer must have been no, and yet God's word was just not no, just not yet. God was answering. He answers prayer, and he keeps his word. The next thing we see here is a prophet was given. Look at verses 13 again. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall, be, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The Lord said, I'm given a prophet. I've given someone to go before me to prepare the way. John, preaching in the wilderness there at the Jordan River, baptizing those that would repent and turn to the Lord. And as Jesus would come down to the Jordan River seeking to be baptized, John would lift his voice up and say, Behold, the Lamb of God taketh away the sins of the world. His message was, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He was preparing the way. He was a prophet. He was, if you will, almost the last of the Old Testament prophets. His life was much like those. He was in the spirit of Elias or Elijah and He was one of those last, but he was preparing the way. And the first thing we see about this prophet that the God had given, look at a prophet's life here in verse 15. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. His life wasn't caught up in the fleshly things, was it? His life wasn't caught up in the fleshly. Matthew 11, 7 through 10, Jesus would say this about John the Baptist. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind. But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? 
Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see, a prophet? Yea, I say unto you more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Matthew 3, 1 through 5. And in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins. And his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then they went out to him, went out to him, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. Boy, John the Baptist was a different sort of guy, wasn't he? He was a different sort of guy. He was in the spirit of Elias. I think of John the Baptist. I think of a man who wasn't caught up with the world in which he lived, but in the Savior he represented. Wasn't caught up with the world. I think of him putting off, if you will, the, I think of how the scripture says, how it talks about dying to self and mortifying your members and how he would say, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary one to the other. He was not caught up with the world in which he lived. He was caught up with his Lord. He would say later in John 3 and verse 30, he would say, he must increase, speaking of a Savior, but I must what? Decrease. John the Baptist is someone that you look at totally devoted to his Lord. He had put off. Wasn't caught up with the things of the world. His raiment wasn't soft raiment. It was camel's hair and a leathern girdle, all right? And don't buy any of those. I don't think, I don't think, well, maybe you could find it on Amazon. Someone don't search it for it now. You can search later. I'm thankful that's not what it's about. But if you look at John the Baptist's life and someone who prepared the way of the Lord, it wouldn't be the, the manner in which we would choose, would it? Doesn't make sense, does it? I wonder if anybody ever told John the Baptist, hey, John the Baptist, why don't you get out of the wilderness and go into Jerusalem? You know, you'd be much more effective preaching on the streets of Jerusalem than you would be out here in the wilderness. Hey, John, if, if, if you reworked your image a little bit, things would be better. I mean, get rid, of the rain, get rid of the camel's hair and the leathern girdle, all right? Let's try something a little different, and the message will go further. <laughs> hey, John, this, this diet you've got, locusts and wild... Well, somebody would try that today, all right? Locusts and wild honey. But he was different. It wasn't what we would look, but what you see in John the Baptist is a man caught up with his Lord and not the world in which he lived. He was looking for what was coming more than he was just the things around him. There's a call, Christian. There's an example, Christian. We're not to be caught up with what's here. We're supposed to be caught up with the one who's coming. John the Baptist was preparing the way for the Lord's first coming. You and I are preparing the world for his next coming. And John the Baptist wasn't caught up with the things of this world. He was caught up and totally devoted to his Lord. Totally devoted to his Lord. Prophet's life, a prophet's message. Look at his message in verse 16. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Boy, it was a message lifting up the Lord, wasn't it? He's pointing people to the Lord. 
He was turning the hearts of the people and the minds of the people and the attention of the people to the Lord their God. God was using him with a message. We, we have a similar message today. We are pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're pointing people to the one who died on the cross for them and rose again for them and who one day is coming again. And he's, his message was one of pointing people to the Lord. I, I think of this Christmas season. The point of the Christmas season is to point people to the Lord. It used to be. I, I don't see as much of it anymore. But, but sometimes out there, someone will put Xmas out there, right? And everybody get all upset about it. I, I have to admit, sometimes I'm not too offended when the world leaves the word Christ out of it. Because a lot of what they're doing isn't. That doesn't have much to do with Christ, does it? But you and I, Christian, we're meant to be pointing people to the Lord. To Christ. Saying, there he is. This is what he's done for us. He came the first time and he's coming again. A message of repentance, a message of restoration. Verse 17, and he shall go before him in the spirit, the power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Changing hearts and changing lives, changing homes. The message of John the Baptist was a message of repentance and a message of restoration for people. I'll tell you something, Christian. The, the answer is still the Lord. It is still the Lord. I'm going to tell you, I, I think this, you know, we can get caught up with all kinds of different ideas of what would fix our society. But what will fix our society is when someone comes to know Christ as their Savior. What will change a person's life is when they hear the gospel. It was a message, of, it was a message that he had of, 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 if you will, of repentance, of turning from self into the Lord. It was a message of restoration uh, of families and, and lives restored. It was a message of preparation. Verse, end of verse 17 says this, to make ready a people... Prepared for who? The Lord. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He said he's here. He's arrived. He's, he would soon be baptized. He would soon begin his earthly ministry of, of three years of, of ministering on earth before his crucifixion. And he had gone to prepare the way and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And I, I think of this, Christian. You and I are here to make ready a people prepared to meet their Lord. There's a world that needs the gospel, is there not? There's coming one day, friend, there's, there's coming a day in which the judgments, the great white throne judgment, when every soul will be held accountable for whether they've come to know Christ or not. Do you know him? Do you know the one who was born in Bethlehem? Do you know the one who would walk on this earth tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin? Do you know the one who was betrayed by Judas, taught, taken before Ananias and Caiaphas, his name blasphemed? Do you know the one that would go before Pilate and before Herod, who would be beaten and bruised for our iniquities? They would pluck out his beard and beat him with a cat of nine tails, so the scripture says he was unrecognizable as a man. Shove a crown of thorns upon his head. Oh, what kind of king are you? We'll give you a crown. How about a crown of, throne, a crown of thorns? A robe of purple to wrap around your wounds and then tear it off later. Nail him to a cross. Let him hang upon the cross. He would utter those words, it is finished. And he would give up the ghost. Three days later, on a Sunday morning, 
The whole reason we gathered here together on a Sunday morning is he rose again. What makes Christmas so special is what took place at the cross and on resurrection morning. If it weren't for that, the date wouldn't even be memorable to us. Christmas would just be another date on the calendar and certainly probably not recognized. But the one who was born was the Son of God, and he lived his life without sin, and he died on the cross, and he rose again three days later. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Do you know him? Are you prepared to meet your God? But not only when it comes to salvation, but Corinthians reminds us of this, that there's coming a judgment seat. That one day the Christian will stand before God and be held accountable for their life. We're here to prepare the way to help people be ready to meet their Lord. That a lost man would hear the gospel and the saints would hear the word. The goal of the church, the, we, we have a similar message to John the Baptist. He was preparing their first coming. We're preparing the Lord for a second coming and telling people, do you know the gospel? And to the ones who know the gospel and are saved, do you, are you living according to the word? In short, here's the message of the church. To the lost world, hear the gospel. To the saved, hear the word. Because we're going to meet our Lord. We're going to meet our Lord. Think of the anticipation that must have been building as they knew he was coming at the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist, the one who had come in the spirit of Elias. They knew Jesus was right around the corner. I think, Christian, there ought to be an anticipation building in our hearts. He is coming. It's right around the corner. Are you ready to meet your Lord? Notice how he went. Think of not only the prophet's life and the prophet's message, but the prophet's power. Look at verse 5. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall not drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. That verse brings to mind another verse in the book of Ephesians, doesn't it? And be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. He said, don't be under the influence of this, but be under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. You see what John the Baptist's power wasn't wrapped up, wrapped up in things of this world, was it? It was the power of God. John the Baptist's message wasn't about a nice PowerPoint, was it? John the Baptist's message wasn't about a beautiful presentation. He was wearing camel's hair and a leather girdle. It wasn't about the location. He was in the wilderness, not in the city. John the Baptist's power wasn't in his message. It wasn't in his diet. It was in his Lord. It was in his Lord. I will tell you something, Christian. In our world today, it's not your method that will make a difference. It's the power of God that will make a difference. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5 says, Paul would say this, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, Declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with him in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He said, I'll tell you what will make the difference is the power of God. 
God's not looking for new methods. He's looking for people on their knees, isn't he? Looking for people in the word. He's looking for people that are filled with his spirit. Not with the flesh and not the things of this world. John the Baptist, talk about an example of the opposite of what you and I would picture, right? Making way to the Lord. Here's how he's going to do it. Hey, John the Baptist, you better go to Jerusalem. There's a lot of people there. Head in Jerusalem and start preaching. Hey, John the Baptist, get rid of the leather girdle and the camel's hair. Go get you some clothes. You're, you're, you're a little bit, out, you're a bit out, of, out of sorts there, buddy. You need to put that back in order. Get out there among the people. I've seen folks say to drop your convictions to reach people, and looks like that wasn't what John the Baptist was after, was it? Matter of fact, John the Baptist's life, you ever listen to some of his messages? Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. He, he was not tickling anybody's ears, that's for sure. Talk about a message. What John the Baptist had was the power of God in his life. And friend, that's not just revolts all for a pulpit. That's something that ought to be making a difference in the pew. That's not just something for Sunday. That's something for Monday. That's not just something for what you do around here. It's what you do on your daily basis. John the Baptist had something. The power of God in his life. In his life. It's been quiet for 400 years. Scripture had ended there with the Old Testament. It had been some 400 years since God had decided to give more Scripture. And here's how it opens up. A man who's been faithful, praying, trusting, staying faithful. Maybe thought God hadn't quite heard his prayer yet. Or had told him no, but it wasn't going to change the fact that he was going to trust God. And one day an angel shows up. And he's even a little shocked himself. Said, God has heard your prayer, Zacharias. And have a child. Prayer answered. Prayer answered. You would see not only would prayer be answered, but there was a prophet that God had given. And there were promises that were kept. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still hearing prayer and answering them. He's still keeping his word. And friend, he's still using people. He's still using people to deliver a message. And you don't have to be fancy to deliver it. You have to be faithful to the scripture and filled with the spirit. Faithful to the scripture and filled with the spirit. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, you read the next verse from where we read, you see Gabriel. He went to deliver a message to one, and several months later, he went to deliver another message to a, a lady named Mary. The Christ child would be born. Lord was delivering a message. You see people like Zacharias. You see Elizabeth. You see Mary. You see Matthew. You see Simon, Anna in the temple. Over and over again around the Christmas story, you see people showing himself up, show God showing himself up in people's lives. It wasn't just about the world. 
It was about the individual. It wasn't just salvation to all. It was salvation to the individual. And you see there, God still answers prayer. God still keeps his word. And God still uses people. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the scripture. I thank you for, or just what you have given us here in your word. I think of the scripture, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Thankful that you kept your word then and you're still keeping your word now. I pray, Lord, that as you've spoken to our heart, we'd respond. Maybe there's someone here today that hasn't put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They know the Christmas story and they know the account of what Christ did, but they've never come to know the Lord personally. I pray today would be the day when they put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They would call upon you. Or maybe some of us that know Christ were reminded that you still answer prayer, but we haven't lifted them up, or we've given up on this fact that God may answer our prayer. Maybe it's promises that we've doubted, or, or maybe we're just not being used to tell others about Christ. But as you've spoken to our heart, I pray that we would respond. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me just ask you this morning, Christian. How many of you say, preacher, I, or folks that are here, how many of you say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. There was a time in my life when I put tr- my trust in Christ. I know that he was the son of God. I know that he died on the cross for me. I believe that he rose again. And I can look back in my life and there was this time. I may not remember the date and the, the date and the moment, or I may not have that exactly down, but I know and I put my trust in Christ. And if I died right now, I know that I'd see him. That's a settled thing for me. If that's your testimony, would you raise your hand just between you and I? Lord, say, Preacher, I know that I'm saved. Thank you. you. may put your hand down. Is there anybody here this morning say, Preacher, I'm unsure about that, but I want to know Christ this morning. I know he came to this earth, and I know he died on the cross, and I know he rose again, and I, I want to put my trust in him, and he did it all for me. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we are yet sinners... Christ died for us. Preacher, I'm unsure, but I want to know Christ this morning. If that's your testimony, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Is there anybody like that? You'd say, Preacher, would you pray for me? Let me ask you this then, Christian. How many of you say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart? Maybe it's a reminder that he hears prayer. The promises that he keeps or that God's still using people. But you'd say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart this morning. Would you just raise your hand uh, between you and I and the Lord? Would you stand with me as the pianist plays, as the invitation is given? There's a time of prayer available to you and a place to pray and Tell you something, Christian, if God speaks, don't, don't remain silent and return. Spend some time with your Lord this morning and spend some time in prayer. And don't, take the, don't pass up on an opportunity to humble yourself before a God who's taken the time to humble himself and come to this earth. And to be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But as God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord this morning.